We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. If you have a Bible, please hold it high up in the air and let's say this together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. One of our heart's desires is to see our church be a church that's reaching out to people who've not yet heard the word of God, heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be a church that is, you know, not self-focused, just looking at ourselves and having our own needs met and uh, feeling good about things that are available for us. We want to be a church that is reaching out across our nation and, God willing, into other nations of this world. And over the years, you know, time and time again, we try to bring some messages to remind us about this, to encourage us to as a church, to begin to do things. And so we've slowly, you know, been laying foundations line upon line, layer upon layer. And I think we've reached a stage where we can actually begin to start taking concrete steps to being a church, a missionary church, a church that's actually reaching out and doing things across our nation and possibly other parts of the world. So I want to spend some time here talking to us about missions mandate and understanding this whole truth and concept of missions and, uh, and, and just elaborate on that and bring us to a place where we'll actually begin to start taking steps in engaging in missions. I want to talk to us about missions and the, and, and the call to missions. We're going to spend a couple of Sundays talking about missions. Uh, when we talk about missions, what are we addressing? We're talking about a couple of things when we talk about missions. We're talking about taking the gospel, the message of the gospel, to people who have not yet heard about Jesus. Second, we're also talking about taking the gospel or taking discipleship to people who may have heard about Jesus, but those communities do not have the ability to self-sustain a church amongst themselves. And so they still need outside assistance to make that happen. And when we talk about missions, we're also talking about assisting, equipping, helping those who are doing these things. Taking the gospel to people who have never heard. Or discipling people who have, may have heard, communities who have, may have received the word but they do not have the ability to sustain themselves, have a church amongst themselves, a church movement amongst themselves, or working with people, assisting people who are doing such kind of ministry. 
So when we talk about missions, this is what we're addressing. And this morning, I want to talk about the call to missions to impress on our hearts and that each one of us has a responsibility towards missions, towards engaging in reaching people who may not have heard the gospel, in discipling people who may have heard, but they're in communities that are not able to self-sustain a church movement, or equipping, assisting in those who are doing such kind of work, that all of us have a responsibility, a part to play in this. Why is this important? I want to just lay before us some very basic reasons why missions is important. It's important for all of us. First fact why missions is important is because this is God's heart. God has a heart for the lost, for people who do, have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is God's heart for people. You know, God loves people. Now, in as much as you and I need to be reassured and reaffirmed of God's love for us, we must not forget, we must never forget that God loves people who've never heard even once. Think about the time, the effort, the energy we invest in just reassuring and reaffirming our own selves about the love of God. We heard about God 10 years ago, 5, 10, 20, 25, 30, 40 years ago, and we still need reaffirmation and reassurance. God still loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. But think about people who've never had the privilege of even experiencing it once for the first time. He loves them. And it is God's heart. Several scriptures, we'll just go through them quickly because all of this is very familiar. The Bible teaches us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, this is the will of God. That he will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God's heart is to see all people saved. That's his heart. And this was his plan from the very beginning. You know when God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1, 2 and 3. He didn't say, Abraham come, I'll just bless you and make you happy. He said, Abraham, come, I'll bless you, I'll make you a blessing, and through you, I will bless all the families of the world. That was God's heart from the very beginning, to bless every family, every people on this world. So when he called Abraham, he was not calling him so that he could have an exclusive, elite group of people for himself. But he was calling Abraham so that through Abraham, he could bless all peoples of the world. Amen? And that's why you and I are sitting here, not because we are these called out elite super class of human beings. But rather, God has called us so that through us, he would bless all peoples of the earth. That his good news will reach them through us. So this is God's heart. And Isaiah 42, verse 6, Isaiah, as he prophesies about the Messiah, he says, the Messiah will be a light to the Gentiles. Even before Jesus came, Isaiah foretold, he is coming, not just for the Jewish people, he is coming to be a light to the Gentiles, meaning the whole wide world beyond Jerusalem. Amen? So Jesus came to be the Savior 
of the world. In John 3.16, a verse of scripture, we all know that God loved the world so much. Meaning people out there, beyond what we see every day, He loved the world that He gave His Son. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Not just people sitting in church. So, why is missions important? Why is making an effort to reach people who have never reached, heard the gospel of Jesus and uh, being involved in that important? Because that's God's heart. He wants to get the word out there so that people can be saved. Second reason is because Jesus is the only remedy for the world. You know, sometimes it seems like we believers subconsciously tell ourselves, you know, we have Jesus and the others may have some other way. But the fact is that the word of God gives us no other way. Christ's death is the only answer. Jesus is the only remedy for a sin-sick, lost world. And there is none other. The Bible is very clear about that. And we need to embrace that, reconcile with that truth. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. It didn't say there is one God and many mediators. There's one God and one mediator, and that's Jesus. We can't argue with that. That's the word of God. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we can be saved. There's absolutely only one name. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Which means that if our gospel is hidden, it doesn't reach people. It's being hidden from those who are lost, as Paul said. So if we have the answer, we must take it to the world, make every effort to take Jesus Christ to the world, to people who've never heard the gospel. Third reason why it's important for us as believers to engage in missions is because believers are God's primary agents to get the message out. God has not given this task to angels. He's given this great commission to people like you and me. Mark 16, 15, Jesus told His disciples, Go into the whole world and preach the gospel. Disciples, you've got to go. You've got to take the message of this good news. It's interesting to see in Acts chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, when Peter and John were in prison, in prison because they were preaching about Jesus, an angel of God comes, gets rid of their chains, brings them out of the prison, and then tells them, Go and speak to this people. All the words of this life. The angel could have easily put on a great show. Just come among all the people, sang a hallelujah chorus and said, Jesus is the way. I mean, that would have really got everybody's attention. But the angel didn't do that. The angel set the people free, Peter and John free from prison and said, You go and speak to the people all the words of this life. God has commissioned not angels, but people like you and me to bring the message of Jesus to a lost world. Now, God in some circumstances may use other means to reach people. He may appear to people in dreams or he may speak to people in some unusual ways. But the normal way that God wants to reach a lost world is through people like you and me, through believers. Amen? 
And the fourth reason on which, and that's where we're going to spend the, most of our time today, is because the need has never been greater. We are living at a very critical time in the history of this world. And the rest of the sermon here is going to be informative, giving you a lot of statistics. But I hope that will inspire you and me to understand and recognize the gravity of the task that is before us so we can actively engage and begin to do some things. We are living in a time when the need has never been greater. A very critical hour in history of this world. You know, if we lived in the time of Jesus, we could have excused ourselves and say, you know, you know, Jesus hadn't died yet and we were not sure what the gospel message is. We were not sure if God, you figured out how, to, how you're going to reach the lost. We have given up lots of excuses, but we're not living at that time. We're living years later when everything is so clear and the need before us is huge. Look at some of these statistics with me. And a lot of this is just available online. One of a good reference site to go to is the U.S. Center for World Missions. Um, the, the URL is uh, joshuaproject.net. You can go online and get a lot of this information just to be informed about what's happening in terms of world missions. But just look at this with me. Today, the world's population is about a little over 7 billion people. But look at what has happened through time. It is estimated that in first AD, there were about 300 million people in the world. After a millennium and a quarter, we had another 100 million people. So about 1258 is 400 million people. And then after another 250 years, we had another 500 million people on the earth. Or another 100 million. So we had 500 million people on the earth. Now, here are UN estimates of world population since 1804. In 1804, the world population was estimated to be about 1 billion. 123 years later, it reached 2 billion in 1927. 33 years later, in 1960, it grew by another billion. It was 3 billion. It took only 14 more years. For another billion people to be added to the world, in 1974, we hit 4 billion. It took just another 13 years for another billion to show up. 1987, we were 5 billion. Just 12 more years, 1999, the world population was 6 billion. What are we seeing? What we are seeing is that in every approximately 10 years, a decade approximately, 1 billion people. That's huge. 1 billion people show up, are added to the earth in just about 10 years. By the time some of you finish college, finish your school, get into the workplace, settle down, one billion people in 10 years have been added. One billion more people added to the world population. Which means there are that many more people who need to be reached for Jesus Christ. In just every matter of a decade. Think about some other things here. We talk about world's population by continents. Where is the greatest population concentrated? And again, all of this is, might be very familiar, but it's good to look at numbers here. Asia. The continent you and I are part of has 
about 60% of the world's population. So we don't have to go too far to find people. So when we're talking about missions, we're talking about parts of the world that are pretty close to where we live. What about the largest countries by population? And this is, again, this is very familiar. China and India, top the list. Again, you don't have to go too far. It's right here in our own nation where there are people who need to be reached. What about urban centers? When we talk about missions, we're not only talking about isolated parts of the world, but we're talking also about urban missions because within these Huge cities are communities who still remain untouched with the gospel. So when you look at the 20 largest urban areas in the world, out of the top 20, the three largest urban centers are right here in India. Delhi, Bombay, Calcutta are the 20 largest. So when you talk about urban missions, we don't have to go too far. It's just all around the corner. People who need to be reached. You look at world birth and death rates. You look at the number of births every second. There are four births every second. Every second. Less than two people die per second. And look at major religions of the world. If you take in all the flavors and expressions of Christianity and Christendom, Christians are a sizable leader number of world religions, but yet there are huge populations, Muslims and Hindus and others, who need to be reached. When we look at global missions today, what do we see happening? There are good things happening, and then there are alarming things happening when it comes to missions. Here's some good news. On an average 160,000 people a day hear the message of Jesus for the first time. That's good news. Every day, on an average, 160,000 people hear the message of Jesus. Every hour, about 2,000 people make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. That's good news. Work's happening. In 1800. 75% of the globe, the people had never heard the gospel. 75% of the population never heard the gospel. Today, that's dropped down to about 28% of people. And yet that 28% means, is a huge number. It's about 1.5 billion people who've never heard the gospel even once. And in terms of missions, there are great opportunities Radio, television, and the internet. Over a billion people online. Great opportunities. Great tools that are available in terms of technology that we could use. There is a part of the world, and we can just go on to the next slide, please. So, where are we in terms of reaching the unreached people? The people who are yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's the status here? If we go on to the next slide there. In terms of peoples or groups of people, there are about 16,700 people groups. But out of these 16,700 people groups, 
there are still about 6,900 of them that are classified or categorized as unreached or least reached. When we say unreached, we mean people, who've ne- people groups or communities of people who've never heard the gospel or do, have not yet re- been reached with the gospel. When we say least reached, we mean people groups where there are less than 2% of people who have heard the gospel or less than 5% who have made a commitment, an expression of faith in Jesus. Less than 5% of that commu- people group. So such groups, there are about 6,900 of these unreached people groups have not yet heard the gospel, do not have a self-sustaining church growth movement in their own communities, amongst themselves. And what's so important for us to know is that out of these 6,900 people groups, the largest number of people groups are right here in India. 2,200 of these people groups are right here in our nation. So when we're talking about reaching people, unreached people, where are they? Right here in our nation. A third of these remaining unreached people groups, we are responsible for, they're right here in our own nation. If you look at this slide, I don't know how clear it's up there, but the red section that you see on this world map, is what is that region where these 6,900 people, unreached people groups, or least people groups, are concentrated. And so missiologists will call this red block as the 1040 window, and it's been there for a long time, it's nothing new. Simply using the latitudes and longitudes, this little box of, that encloses this area is called the 1040 window, meaning... These unreached people groups and least evangelized people groups or least reached people groups all lie concentrated in this region of the world, in this 1040 window. So if we are going to focus on missions, we must focus our money, our efforts, our energies on the 1040 window. Now there's nothing wrong if God calls you to be a missionary to New York. It's okay. But pray seriously about the 1040 window. Because that's where the need is. Amen? Let's just talk about uh, uh, the, the, uh, the challenge before us. Let's go on. The, the, the task before us. Why hasn't the Great Commission been completed yet? What are the challenges that we need to face, overcome as we go about missions? Number one, there are spiritual challenges. There's an enemy who doesn't let us take ground easily. Satan opposes us. And statistics tell us, in terms, even in terms of persecution, there have been more Christians martyred in the last hundred years than in all of the previous centuries put together. Meaning opposition in, this, in our day, in our time, has escalated to huge proportions. The second challenge we also see towards missions is the population challenge. As you already see in the numbers, population is, ex- is exploding globally. And out of these 5.5 billion people who are yet to uh, be reached, or lost, or not yet made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, even if we were going to take five people per second, that would take us 35 years to get to each one of these people. It's a huge task. It's the population. There are people group challenges. As we were mentioning, 
there are pockets of communities, people, groups that are yet to be reached and getting to them, there could be challenges in access, geographical challenges, linguistic challenges, cultural barriers to get to them. But Jesus died for them as well and we must make efforts to get to them. There are political challenges, national challenges. There are still countries that are closed to the gospel, to uh, Christian uh, activity and penetration. North Korea, for example, is a, is a country that remains very tightly closed. And, and yet there's so much of oppression going on within the country that hinders the gospel from getting to people. And lastly, which is, I think, very important, is the challenge of resources. For some reason, we Christians... As believers, even though we understand the area of need, our resources, our time, our people, our money is still being challenged to the wrong places. For instance, when we talk about missionaries, only one out of every ten missionary is actually working amongst the unreached people. That means 90% of all missionary work is going back to people who don't need it. And only 10% of all ministry activities actually going to people who need it. That's a huge waste. So we must focus our energies and our efforts towards the 1040 window, towards people who have never heard, who need discipleship so that they can sustain their own churches and support and assist people doing that. The second great imbalance is in the distribution of money. Here again, out of every dollar, only one penny or less than a penny actually goes to, to work that's being done in the 1040 window. Meaning, less than 10% of our resources is actually being sent in to areas or parts of the world that actually need it. We're investing 90% of all our money to people and in things, activity, that is only assisting people who already heard the gospel. There's nothing wrong. We need to bless believers and help them and strengthen them. There's nothing wrong with it. But this hugely disproportionate allocation of time, people, and money cannot be justified. Amen? So when we as a church begin to engage in missions, we're going to focus on areas that are really important. Regions and peoples of the world. Starting with our own nation because that's where a huge concentration of people who have not heard the gospel, who need the gospel, are located. So how should you and I respond? What action points can we begin to implement so that we can actually respond to the call to missions? Start at a very basic level. You and I must get involved in this call to missions. And how can we do that? For us, just begin by learning about missions. A great place to go to is the U.S. Center for World Missions. Their website, as I mentioned earlier, and a lot of this presentation was just borrowed from them for free. It's from joshuaproject.net. So you just go online to joshuaproject.net. And you can get information all these people groups. Click on India. And you can drill down to any state in India. Pick a state. Click on it. And you'll get information on people, groups, districts, population that need the gospel. So learn. Find out. 
Who are these people that I need to go to? So learn about this. Educate yourself. Information is available. I know over the course of these coming weeks, we will provide you information so that we as a church can begin to engage. And then start praying. Now, please don't download all 2,219 people groups and go to your life group and say, we're going to start praying. No. You can't do that. I mean, that's huge. Choose one, two, that God lays an interest in and say, begin to pray. Say, God, there are people in my own nation who've never heard the gospel even once. Who never had even one sermon preached to them about Jesus. Start praying for them. Pray that God will raise up people to go there. Pray that maybe God will uh, mobilize resources to be allocated to reaching such people groups, such parts of people, in, uh, parts or regions in our nation. Start praying for them. Start giving, start going. That's another area, the areas where you and I can engage. So get involved. Just start learning, start praying. Second, what we like to see all of us get involved in is to look at short-term missions. Meaning, if you have a month's vacation every year, think about using part of that time or that entire time to go and do missions, be involved in missions short-term. And we have been you know, working towards getting these things organized. And hopefully by the time we are through with this series, we'll have some very concrete information on, on where we can go, where we can send teams, and how we can engage with both EHA, Vision India, and other work. So get involved short term. Give a month, a week, maybe two weeks, maybe even a weekend. Get out there and, and do something. Because when you start doing something short term, uh, you begin, you know, you get first-hand experience of what this is all about, what the need is. And then maybe God can prompt you to take things further. And you come back with some ideas on how you can engage uh, in, in more elaborate ways. But get involved in at least short-term trips. We'll help coordinate and facilitate some of that. And third is take a bigger step. Get radical. Think of things that you could do. Maybe even take a year. Take a year. So you've gone from a week Maybe a year of your life. Saying, God, I'll give a year of my time towards this part of, the of our nation, this part of the world, this people in the 1040 window, parts of the Middle East, parts of the former Soviet Union. Go for a year. Or join a Bible college. Prepare yourself for ministry so that you can go these people. Go as a tent maker, meaning you don't necessarily have to quit your job. But relocate with your job. Work in some part of this place where you'll be in proximity to these people groups. To these people who need help. So you could probably drive over an hour, two hours, get there. Easy access. So think about doing something like that. Relocate as a tent maker. Keep your business. Keep your work. But go into proximity to these unreached people and begin to engage from that uh, place. Or for some of us, maybe God will say, you know, I want you to think about being a missionary. Saying, okay, I'm going to give the devote the rest of my time to go to people and take the message of Jesus. Help establish a community of believers amongst them. And as we said, when you're talking about missions, we're talking about both urban missions and missions among unreached people groups or people in isolated parts of the world. Because even in our urban centers, these huge cities in our world, there are pockets of people who need to be reached. 
who need a, a strong church amongst them, their community. So when we talk about missions, we're talking both about urban missions, reaching our cities. And we're talking about those tribes and peoples and languages that also need to be reached. But then we got to be strategic in putting our people in our time. We want to make sure it goes to people who really need it. Amen. And this call is for all of us. Not just some of us. It's for all of us. All of us ought to engage in some way. In getting this gospel to people who have never heard it before. Or in discipling people who have been opened up to the gospel. But need to be brought to a place where they can have a self-sustaining church amongst themselves. Or coming alongside people who are doing that. Assisting them, working with them in some way. Through prayer, through giving, through going, supporting, assisting. All of us can be involved in one or more ways. Amen. I'm just standing here this morning. I just want you to pray out of your own heart and see what is the Lord speaking to you? How can you respond to what you heard this morning? Maybe just by learning a little bit more about what we spoke this morning. You go online. All the information is there. And you begin to look at people groups in our own nation or in the 1040 window and say, God, these people have not even heard your name once. They know about Coca-Cola. They don't know about Jesus. But if Coca-Cola could get to those remote parts of the world, I think you and I can do something to get Jesus there. We can do something. So begin to learn. Begin to explore and say, God, what do you want me to do? Maybe pick one or two people groups. Begin to pray. Say, God, I can just pray. I can start by praying. Maybe in your life group, take one or two people groups in our nation or anyone in the 1040 window and begin to pray. Say, God, here are people out there in the Middle East, out there in Southeast Asia, out there right here in our own nation. God, who've never heard the gospel. We are praying for them. Begin to pray. And maybe this morning, if God stirs your heart and say, you know, I want you to go on site. Go there. See for yourself what's happening. See for yourself what the nation is like. What's involved in serving people or in working with others who are serving them. Go alongside such people. Maybe you could pray this morning and say, yes, Lord. I'll prepare myself to go. It may not be this month, next month, or the next two, three months, but you're going to prepare yourself. Get yourself ready to go. Maybe this morning God might speak to someone and say, you know, this is what I made you for. This is what I've placed you for. To commit your whole life to take this gospel. To those who've never heard it. To go into regions and parts of the world that might be dangerous, might be scary. But I've made you for this. And if you'll obey me, nothing will harm you. Nothing will ever prevail against you. Maybe God might be speaking to some of you saying, I want to give your, I want you to give your full life. 
towards doing this. Would you pray this morning, respond, and say, yes, Lord, I'll get myself ready. When the time comes, I'll go. I'll just prepare myself. Please take a few moments right now. Out of the depths of your own hearts to pray. Say, God, show me how, what can I do? What's my role? Maybe to assist somebody else. To equip other people to go do it. To come, on, come alongside others. In missions. Maybe some of you, God may speak to you and say, you know, why don't you relocate to another large city in our nation where there are huge numbers of people who need Jesus. Be a tent maker. Go amongst them. Raise up a church. Share the word. Reach people. Father, this morning we invite you by your spirit, Lord, to do only what you can do. To sovereignly, to divinely speak your purpose, to speak your destiny into the hearts of each one of us here. May your call come so clearly to us, Lord. That we might know how to respond and what you want us to do today. And Lord, we just pray over our nation. We ask that you will shine all across our nation. That those sitting in darkness will see great lights. To those in the regions, the shadow of death. To them light will spring up, O oh God. That eyes that have not seen, that ears have not heard. God, that they will see, that they will hear. Jesus Christ. Lord, send forth your words. And let there be light in our nation, God. Lord, especially the northern part of our nation. There are so many people yet to hear Jesus, yet to hear the gospel. Send forth your light. Let it flood our nation. And Father, we ask that by your spirit, you sovereignly move in us as a people, as a church, and transform us. Make us, oh God, a missionary church. Make us a people who will be willing to go to the ends of the earth. May we be part of your dream of answering your call, Lord. So one day as we stand before your throne and look around and see that great multitude of people from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. God, we will say, Lord, thank you that you helped us do our part in bringing this great multitude before your throne. 
And some of us went. Some of us reached out to those peoples, those tribes, those tongues, those nations. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's receive the blessing. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness cover the earth and deep darkness the people, yet the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.